Pages of Pim Better Podcast. What's up, world? This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today it is Sunday, March 4th. It's 8 o'clock in New York right now. I had an awesome weekend, a really amazing last couple of weeks. I went to Mexico to Isla Mujeres for the first time. That was awesome. Maybe I'll do a podcast about that. Not totally sure yet. Uh, after that, I went to Memphis. Young Willie B. Willie B got married. Another one bites the dust. But that was, oh, that was so much fun. Shout out to Willie B and the crew. Um, what else? Yeah, this weekend, Black Panther. Whew. That movie is magic. Last night, I went to the Banff Film Festival at Symphony Space in the Upper West Side. God, that was so much fun. I think I'm going to go on Tuesday to see the rest of the films. And then today, I went to see my buddy Andre. We went out to get Indonesian food in Elmhurst. Then we recorded this podcast at his place. And then we went to the Indonesian consulate in Manhattan. And that was really cool, too. Uh, they had a film, and then they had some refreshments and things like that, and kind of like a, a group meetup. Uh, really wanted to have Andre on this episode because, well, first of all, I met him at Indo Java, which is probably my favorite place to eat now. It's an awesome Indonesian grocery that transforms into Warung Salasa on Tuesdays, where there's just now it's two tables, but it was one table. And, you know, one to two, now four people can eat at a time. And they serve from this tiny little kitchen. And it's really cool. Uh, we get into that in this episode, though. But I met him there. And he was super friendly right off the bat. A stranger, but we just started connecting right away. And got his contact information. And I've been following him since that time. Now, I noticed that he was pretty heavily involved in the Indonesian community in New York City. And most recently, he was doing food donations and clothing donations, and he got some press for that. And I was just really impressed at his connection to the community, what he was doing to assist the community. And I became really interested in learning about his, his story and how he came to come to America. He was born in Indonesia. And to pick his brain a little bit about how communities form, uh, the immigrant experience in America and in particular New York City, how communities support each other and create a network and a support system, and how ultimately they are successful. And so he was the perfect person for this, really personable, really cool, really sweet guy, uh, really knowledgeable, and he was very honest and open, and I think we had a really great conversation. So hopefully you learned something from this. Maybe you identified with it. Um, maybe you learned a little bit about Indonesia and Indonesians. Please check the show notes for this episode. You will find the social media contact information for Andre. Reach out to him. Uh, you'll see... From time to time, he does do donations and drives, so pay attention to that if you want to donate to a good cause, because that would be awesome. Okay, great. Without further ado, folks, hope you like this one. Bye-bye.
think I can handle it. I can roll my R's all right. Yeah, here we go. Andre. No, that doesn't sound so great. <laughs> do, do it for me. An, Andre. Andre. Yeah, I'm not rolling so well. Like most of the Spanish people, they can say because, because they're A-E-U-A-O. Like you guys, like A-I-U-E-O. Yeah. So that's why. <clears throat> the R's are the one thing to master, and then the C's, because all the C's are like a ch. Ch. Yeah. yeah. Andre, Andre, Andre. Here we go. <laughs> I sound, I sound oh, like the, the whitest American ever. Um, but here we are, here in your home in Elmhurst, Queens. Nice. The only other, so I did one podcast once before in a home. Uh-huh. It was one of my first ones. And it was with an astrologist, astrologer, okay. I guess is the word. And I doubt she'll be listening to this. It's one of the earliest episodes, but it was like, super weird like it was basically one room and mm-hmm. the bathtub is right like in the kitchen okay. and she's in her bathrobe the whole time and she was playing like playing music on a synth it was it was bizarre so this she is technically really like playing the music instrument? oh yeah oh yeah so this is um this is much more comfortable thank of you of course yeah yeah <laughs> i can play i can turn on the tv or something <laughs> no no <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was really interested in having you on and, and I'm grateful that we're doing this today. It's all good. I met you at Indo Java in Elmhurst. Right. And I'm talking to you a little bit since then, I've been following your social media and I've seen how I think you're heavily involved in the Indonesian community here. And I'm really interested today in talking about kind of like the immigrant experience in America and how communities form and support each other. And I hope that we can kind of get to that through your personal story. True. Yeah, of course, definitely. Um, first of all, like, um, I am so delightful to, um, when you send me the text, like, Hey, uh, I like to, I'm interesting to talk about you, about stuff. And I said, yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, and I was talking about you earlier, if I can, you know, sharing my story and it could be something that people can learn about or inspire people that's even in, in highest level. I'm more than happy to do that. So you want me to tell you a little bit about how everything started? Well, yeah, let's, so let's start real basic. You were, you were born in Indonesia, obviously. Where in Indonesia are you from? So I was born in Bandung, which is the name of the city of, Cap- of the region we call uh, West Java. Um, I was born uh, November twenty second, nineteen eighty two. Okay, and kind of kind of mountainous over there, right? Uh, Bandung is actually yeah. surrounding with mountain. We, they have like th- uh, Gunung is a mountain. Like Gunung Tangkuban Parahu means upside down of the boat. So that's like Tangkuban Parahu, and Bandung means like um, like a small. What is a, like a curve mm. surrounding like like um like a bowl upside down bowl. So okay. it's kind of like those deep uh, you know like soil kind of type thingy. That's that's what they call Bandung. And I moved to United States twelve years ago. I would say okay. October fifth, two thousand and five. And even I'm still remember the original. Um, my original soundtrack was. Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> Wake me up when September ends. Uh-huh. So literally after the September is October. So I'm every time I hear that song, man, that's really my soundtrack right there. <clears throat> when you so when you were young, the the city you're born in, it's not a city like Jakarta. No, actually Bandung is like one of the um 
one of the biggest city, but oh. like less crowded, like like Jakarta as a metropolitan city. You know, it's more like calmer, I would say, than okay. Jakarta. And did you go to university there? Yes, I did. <clears throat> um, so I took this, um, they call Bandung. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to translate it right now. Yeah, it's okay. a National Hotel Institute. They're changing the name right now to be Bandung Tourism Institute, or we call NHI. This is one of the oldest, apparently one of the oldest uh, hospitality, hospitality institute in Southeast Asia. Really? Yeah, and um, a lot of the graduates, they're spread all over the world. And one of the reasons I moved to United States because I saw one of my friends who actually doing really well, or I would say I'm thinking that he's doing really well, um, and that inspired me because I saw him in Friendster. Oh, There's yeah. no Facebook back <laughs> yeah. then, man. It's only probably you guys use That's here. That's before MySpace, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You guys have MySpace and then I have Friendster. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes like, I want to see my old Friendster. When I check Friendster, it's all about like game anymore. It's not like social media anymore. Okay. Something happened. But it's still a website now? They're still there, but wow. it's all about game right now. Okay. Yeah. So I saw my friend. He <laughs> he drove a um, <sighs> caravan. So, you know, my pardon my ignorance, I, I was thinking like caravan, like, wow, that's a big car, whatever. Must be nice. Apparently caravan is just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like minivan, yeah, exactly. caravan, you know? <laughs> so soccer like, mom thing. Yes, here we go. <laughs> but I was thinking like, wow, it's driving caravan. Hmm, all right, must be nice. So apparently um, I got inspired by that story. I saw the picture, so I applied a job. Um, to come to the United States and then it took almost a year for me to get here to United States. Um, the first city that I hit it was uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Why there? Um, I know. It's always question after that, why you end up in South Dakota, yeah. you know? Yes, I guess just because on that area it's hard for them to find people who can hold a job, especially like creepy job, you know, like, you know, like crappy job, not creepy, crappy job. Okay. Um, so I was working as a housekeeper. Wow. So apparently over there, there's not much people want to work cleaning people stuff after people, you know, and then they start hiring people from third world country, which is, you know, my country, one of them. Did you leave uh, Bandung because there was not the economic opportunity that you were looking for? Actually not. Um, now that I realize more, I'm actually type of guy who like, I don't like the common thing. I don't like mm. to follow um, people trend, something like that. Because I don't know if you've been in Bandung, there's one of the best uh, technology institute, they call Institute Technology Bandung in, in, in Indonesia. A lot of people want to be there. It's like an MIT in really? Indonesia. Okay, yeah. But I was like... I don't see myself staying in a library, reading those books and okay. end up become a nerd. So I asked, <laughs> I asked my uncle, like, uh, my uncle, like, yo, uncle, I want to travel around the world. What should I do? Because when you're in a third uh, grade on the senior high school, you're about to go to college. So you have to pick which college you want to go. And my uncle said, why don't you take hospitality or tourism? Look, me right now, I'm traveling around the world. So he apparently worked for a cruise ship, okay. like Holland American Line, for uh, quite some time. 
And he told me like, I'm traveling around the world. I go to Europe, I go to Africa. I go literally around the world. And I said, that's what I want. Amazing. I want to be like you. And then he mentioned it. Look at this. Even those guys to go to this technology school, they end up like getting older, they're stressed out, the hair is falling apart. Look at me. I'm so happy. <laughs> and I said, that's right there. I want to be just like you. So I took the hospitality, like tourism school, uh, like college, and then here I am. So if you're asking me as far as the economic wise, it's okay. People are doing just fine over there. So economic wise, job wise, there's many job opportunity. I just sometimes like, I always like to pick something that maybe more challenging than then people staying with their family and then they just continue their parents' business, you know, everything already set up. Yeah. I guess I'm quite thinking out of the, out of the box even when I was younger. What was, when, when you were growing up, what was your perception of the United States? Like, w- did it seem like a place where there was opportunity? Did it seem just like a, an adventure? Like, why come Honestly, to the U.S.? Honestly, U.S., when I was little, when I'm talking about U.S., is so powerful. Okay. Hey, don't messing with me because my uncle from United States. That's what I'm joking with with my kids, with, with me when I was little, you know. So the only thing that I think about United States is so powerful. Like politically it's, powerful? and uh, It's like strong, everything mm-hmm. like strong. I don't even think politically, a political way back then. It's just like everything's so big. Um like a big building, yeah. you know, like a bold movement, something like that. That's okay. what I'm thinking about, United States. And I remember when I was little, I still remember this This movie is always rerun on one of our TV channels back then. It's only two TV channels. Every Monday at 4 p.m., the tour of duty. Did you watch that TV the show? I mean, <laughs> it's like one of those. I know, yeah, I know the song. I don't, I don't know the show. It's all about like United States Army when they go to Vietnam. Oh, okay. Um, so like, see, when you see like Army, oh my God, United States so strong. They they have a they have a battle and war with Fiat Cong or something like yeah. that. So like United States. And then uh, we watched the A-Team. We okay. watched the Airwolf. <laughs> yeah. We watched the MacGyver, you know? Oh, so I used to love MacGyver. Yeah. yeah. MacGyver is always like, you know, like you hang out with my friend. I was trying to create something. Yeah, this is MacGyver move, you right, know? Right. Yeah. So we really influenced by American movie. Wow. That's like... Sometimes when I talk to my friends, see, you don't experience Airwolf, you don't experience the A-Team, uh, you don't experience the MacGyver uh, or the Tour of Duty, you know, those those TV show. So when I'm thinking about United, or back then, um, <laughs> it's funny, we have Beverly Hills 90210. So <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was watching that show, I was like holding the remote when my, my, my mom passed it. Changing the channel. That's so funny that you guys had that. And then you know when when my mom uh, already somewhere I played again. They used to have the Melrose Place. Yeah. <laughs> Man, those like sexy show. You know because I mean we are from Eastern culture country. Yeah, yeah. So those kind of things still kind of taboo. Well, uh, yeah, I'm surprised because I know that there a, a lot of content now in 2018 is censored. So right. um, I mean I guess that that's like cable TV though. Even like, I don't know if you hear this, like Lady Gaga, they got refused to concert in Indonesia like a couple of years back. She refused? Yeah. Or? Uh, we don't let her to do a concert in Indonesia really? because the performance itself. Wow. So, um, I mean, I'm going to be 
what people say, like ugly truth, you know, like, but we have some prostitution everywhere. Right. Of course. Why, why are you so mad about this woman that just like doing the art show, but in, deep inside there's, there's many Indonesian prostitution. So, so it's kind of shame, but you know, that's my country, you know, it is what it is. Why do you think that is though? Is, is it because there's a way to make money off of the prostitution and... I think like people in general, I guess, you know, I think they always worried about small picture instead of bigger picture, you know? And mm. then we are actually number one Muslim country in the world. Right. Yeah. And there's a, there's, there's a couple of facts that I'd like to share with you here. Like, um, my uncle, he's Christian. Uh, after he married um, my auntie. So every Christmas time, we go to their house. We brought some gift. We say, Merry Christmas, blah, 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 you know. And then on my Eid Mubarak, I'm practicing Muslim in Indonesia more than right now. Shame on me. But, you know, it's just, I make excuses. <laughs> this is what it is. And, and then when I have my Eid Mubarak, my uncle and, and their family, they come to my house. So it's more like tradition. Even Barack Obama, he spent his adulthood in Jakarta mm -hmm. for like two or three years. And sometime when um, one of his speech that we're still watching a lot in YouTube, he mentioned it. If you want to see um, how you can tolerate to each other, even you have like different kind of religion, come to Indonesia because we have five different religions. We have Muslim, Protestant, Catholic, Buddhism, and then also Hinduism. But we get along together really well. Right. But the other thing now, um, something that is just really happening for quite some time, like uh, Indonesia have a quite negative response to United States, you know, because mm. like what happened in Israel and Palestine and then what happened with this and this and that. Oh, so, we, so especially recently? With, yeah, recently wow. and also like, you know, like the... I think every single religion, they have the radical uh, yeah, people, yeah. you know. So when it comes to that, like, oh, Lady Gaga coming from United States. So it's more like a statement to okay. us to like, okay, you're from America, you're going to be dancing, you're going to be show your body, you're going to be look sexy, this is not acceptable. While in other places, like local Indonesian or some performance could be danced even worse than Lady Gaga, but, of they, course, yeah. but they let it itself happening. Well, maybe too, because you'd have to be in Indonesia to see that, right? but the whole world could know that she's touring there. Right. That's really interesting. It is, it is, it is. And um, it's sad. Even like, hopefully like Indonesian people are not going to hate me by saying this many things about them. I mean, Selena Gomez went concert to Indonesia last time. But at the end of the concert, I think she mentioned it about like, you know, like in art, like uh, it's hard for me in art if you, if you, something like if you can express yourself. Because I think what happened... Uh, we kind of arrange how she going to dress up. Oh, really? Yeah, I think in if you go to Instagram, Selena Gomez, she mentioned it about it. I I wasn't sure, but the message was she wasn't happy about like she cannot really explore or dress up what she want because what she what she's trying to say like this is my art performance. You know, no matter what I show it, like I shouldn't be like, you know, like. They hold my 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 art uh, sense or something like that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um, 
that regional stuff too. I know like I, I a few friends there and a friend was telling me like, yeah, it's okay if I'm in Bali, it's okay for me to wear a two piece right. uh, bathing suit. But here in Java, if we're going down to the beach, right. I, I can't wear a two piece. I have to cover up. Right. And also like in Bali, they have, um, I mean, they have really strong Hinduism or yeah. Buddhism, uh, Hinduism over there, but I think they're more open while in Java or in the other islands, like Muslim really, the big um, uh, significant Muslim around there, which is like I told you, Eastern culture, you cannot show your body parts, especially right. the woman. So you're going to have, have a hard time or trouble if you want to do that, you know? Right. But sometimes also we kind of like, okay, that's just like bully, all right? This is a foreigner doing this. Let it go, something like that. I, but, sorry. But now I think it's, it's they're, they're more open-minded about it. But um, it's always two-side, man. Right. Yeah. I use the word bully and like I'll use the word bully to describe myself. Yeah. Um, like, is that an okay word to use or is that offensive? Bullets mean like white foreigner. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's really. It's like gr uh, it's like gringo. Yeah, it's yeah. gringo. Okay. So gringo, like, hey, you're a gringo. Yeah. Yes, right. you are gringo. Why you have to be offended about it? You yeah, know? please. I mean, yeah, I guess it's all in whoever's being called that term. Right, but like, right. yeah. I mean, dude, I'm a bullet. Like, like I was telling you when when I was at Indo Java, and. Uh, Dewey mm -hmm. is, is how you pronounce it, right? Right. She was like, oh, what's your favorite thing that you'd like to have? And I'm like, oh, is there a place to get uh, Bobby Gulig? And then you were like, hey, man, that's pork. Like, most Indonesians <laughs> don't eat that. I'm like, I am an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it is true, actually. Even in the United States, it's hard for us to find Indonesian restaurants who actually serve uh, pork. You might want to go somewhere in Albany, yeah. uh, the place that I used to work. Uh, they have really nice fine dining restaurant. They call Yonos. Um, they have Bobby Ketchup. That's why. Um, but like, and they're like kind of fine dining. So they're more specifically uh, aiming American or Western uh, client. Not just like, if like Indonesian restaurant, like the one that we just had lunch right now. Yeah. It's mostly like Indonesian and mostly Muslim people. So right. if you're selling pork, when you cook in the wok or any kitchen utilities, can't use the same. Can't use it the same. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. It's funny because I was thinking about this when I was kind of preparing for this. Um, I feel like Indonesian is the next big cuisine in America because when I was young, we're about the same age. Mm -hmm. But when I was young, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, but still, like, there wasn't really Thai food. Right and now, there's Thai food freaking everywhere true true and just like a few uh, a few maybe within the last 10 years like there wasn't a lot of indonesian food even in the city and now it's it's starting to pop up in a bunch of places right right um if if you're in a sweating what's wrong with what's going on with indonesian for community so i mean i'm pretty fortunate because like um i work in the restaurant business for almost 12 years and actually i do like travel business now so i have this uh i would say opportunity that i can see like what really happened um indonesian food is actually awesome yeah you know because we have many um influenced by chinese malaysian um or even like you know like you name it you know we use a lot of curry coconut herb and spice so we're good at it you know we yeah. have layers flavors that's what it is i think the most biggest problem is um the consistency 
and then also the support from the government itself. Like, I did a little research why Thai restaurants are getting bigger everywhere right now because apparently the government if you're gonna create business in the united states they they give you a loan actually. the thai government yeah thai government wow, they give you a loan that. and also like if you go somewhere in Maspeth, they're like the big warehouse of thai yeah. uh rush of uh food supplier or something like that and then they help you to grow okay. if you go here somewhere in amos area or in woodside area there's two Thai restaurants facing each other in three different spots right. in the same area. I was like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> but they're not, they're not bankrupt. They're not close their business. They keep opened up. And if you think about it, like mostly people, they used to, I think they get tired by Chinese food. Yeah. Especially like the advertised MSG, MSG. So like, yeah, you know what? I want to try something different, you know? Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, that's what I grew up with. I think that's what a lot of Americans grew up with. Right. Um, but I don't know, kind of as an adult, maybe I'm just getting older, but it like, it makes you feel so full, so full of salt and like goopy, <laughs> like American, chi American Chinese food. Right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> But it's funny too, and and I'll, I'm, I want to get back to your personal story. But, um, like, I guess growing up as, as a white American, like Chinese became like the ubiquitous term for Asian. Like as a, right, as a young right, American, right. when you say Chinese, and when you say Asian, you think Chinese, right? right? And and you know, I work in education, and and you still see it with with people that don't get outside of their own communities and don't travel much and don't right. try different foods that. Um, you know, wouldn't possibly know of Indonesian food in true. some other places. That is true. That's why, like, sometimes I feel I have, like, little obligation at least to kind of promote a little bit about my history, you know? And yeah. honestly with you, I, I learn more when I'm here really? than when I was in Indonesia because sometimes... You know, with my travel job, sometimes uh, ha we have like a uh, minister of tourism and then they do like sales mission here somewhere in Javits Center or somewhere in Florida or somewhere in Las Vegas, whatever. So I've been helping them out. And the problem mostly, um, Indonesia actually one of the biggest uh, coffee producer in the world. Yeah, yeah. When you hear Java, like people slang, like, let's go get Java. Right. <laughs> Java is actually the name of island where yeah. the coffee itself uh, grows, you know. So a lot of barista cannot get the visa because mostly barista is young guy. Okay. So a young guy, normally they don't get the visa, they don't get approved to get visa in Indonesia. So they're like, hey, Andre, can you help me to, you know, work as a barista? Sure. And now they brought coffee from Bali, by Jawa, Sumatra, uh, many, uh, you know, uh, coffee plantation. And I need to learn about that right. because I don't want to look stupid in front, of, in front of people when I when I brew the coffee. So I learned more about that. Now that I also helping a lot of Indonesian consulate. Let's see, a couple of days ago, I have to dress up in Manado. North Sulawesi. Manado is one of the city in North Sulawesi. I need to learn about Manado. At least the story, or when I'm emceeing an event and then somebody dancing about uh, like Japanese dance, okay. I need to yeah. learn. Oh, this dancing is actually when you have the harvest, also when you welcoming guests, or something like that. So I actually I'm more Indonesian than I am where I, where I was in Indonesia itself. Yeah, it's funny for for people listening. I mean, it, for people from the United States, just think of like how Southern culture is different from Northern culture. 
how like East Coast culture is different from uh, like Florida. Right. But then imagine that your country is 13,000 islands. Right, right. Each, you know, <clears throat> some remaining isolated from others for a very long time. And like think of the distinct cultures that, you know, were created there. Here's another here another funny fact that Indonesia is like island country. More, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like more than seventeen thousand islands. Oh, seventeen thousand! Wow. Small to the largest one. Yeah. And then we cross by the archipelago. That means we have the a quarter line cross some of the city in Indonesia. Yeah. So we only have summer and rain season. Um, but. Although seventeen more than seventeen island, if they put all together, I don't think it's gonna be bigger than California or New York. Really? Just because they spread around. Yeah, yeah. And Indonesia is number four, the largest population in the world, after China, India, United States, wow. and then Indonesia. I think the fourth one. And like you were population. saying, largest Muslim population too. And in the also world. Indonesia, the largest Muslim wow. population in the world. Not even in Arab country. Right, right. It's actually in Asia. <laughs> And also the other thing, like every single island, they have different tribe and every different type, they have different language. And in every single language, they have the language, like, let's say I'm talking to my mom. It's a polite language. Like I'm, I'm, my mom is Jeff, my father is Japanese. My mom is Padangnese, but I grew up in Bandung, which is actually Sundanese. So I must speak Sundanese more than Japanese. In Sundanese, I have like really soft, polite language when I'm talking to my mom. I have like just okay language with the people same age about me. And I have like the really harsh, like crazy language when I'm talking with That's younger funny. crowd. So <clears throat> languages wise, cultural wise, culinary wise, we are so rich actually. It's funny, on the way over here, we were talking about kind of adapting to language here in the United States and like what is considered like proper etiquette, I guess. Right, right. Because um, <laughs> we were talking about how it's quite common in Indonesia to be very blunt with people. And like if yes. they're looking bad one day, be like, oh, you're not looking good today. Right, right, right. But not here, happening, right, right. not happening. But here, especially in New York, it's like, what the hell did you say to me? Right, 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 right. <laughs> we're talking about that in the car. Like, yeah. That's that's so Indonesia. I'm interested. So, to tie back to your story, you were okay. talking about um, the how it's difficult for baristas to come over. What are the qualifications for a work visa, or the requirements for a work visa, and how were you able to get it done? So back then, when probably around two thousand, so I graduated two thousand three. I took a hotel and management. Um, major, no, Hotel Management Institute, and then majoring in food and beverage, basically. Um, so uh, back then, the requirement, I mean, they don't have that much requirement. Basically, if you have like college degree, especially in hospitality degree, and then it's more like you have to pay and then make sure you get passed on the interview because that interview is more than anything in the world. Really? Yes. Like what like what do they ask you? <clears throat> I think I think the most basic thing that they're trying to figure out is make sure you go and come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not become an illegal. Okay. That's what it is. So it it happened with me um when I was in I've been in Surabaya uh, American uh, embassy and I went I've been in Jakarta one. So every time I go over there it's just like 
poorly luck sometimes. Okay. I've been sitting in the line with people with really nice suits. I've been standing in front of somebody who's just wearing a shirt. So, you know, the moment of the truth when you're in front of the the locket, whatever it is, yeah. and you talk to the interviewee and I have, I remember there's like, I think a Chinese Indonesian family and they said like, hey, uh, I want to see... Uh, Disney World in Florida because I've been in many Disney World in the world. So the only one that we never been is the one in Florida. He show his bank account, you know. He show his passport, have many stamps from all over the world. But the American thing, like, nope, you're gonna run away if you want to go with whole family. You're gonna come back. You're gonna be like those illegal immigrant. Wow. They refuse. And then he's like, "How come? Can you tell me?" There's no obligation. You have to explain it. And right in front of you, older guy with white t-shirt. He looked like doesn't <laughs> give a damn about it, man. <laughs> Just interview. He got it right away. He got it right away. Even me, I think me is more like uh, technical. Like, okay, where are you gonna work? Who gonna sponsorize you? Um, you know, your parents still here? Yes. And they approved me. But my second interview is actually way easier because. Um, I basically, when you go back to Indonesia before your visa expired, it's actually like, oh, they, they see me like, okay, you're not broke the law, you know, you're yeah, going yeah. home before your visa expired. So it's mostly like, so Andre, you work in a restaurant, right? And even he said, you've been in Rapid City? What does it look like Rapid City? So this American dude in, in American embassy in Jakarta, never been in Rapid City in South Dakota. So he asked me, what does Rapid City look like? And then what you're going to do after you finish with this program? And I said, I'm going to open an Indonesian restaurant. Okay, cool. Less than five minutes. Then Wait, let me go. Did you have to go back to Indonesia to renew it? You if you go back to Indonesia, you have to renew it again over oh, there. I see, I see. But if you if you're here United States, you can renew it here. Okay. But um, it's a lot of process. It was like H two B visa. Every six months, they call non um, non professional visa holders. That's like H two B. So okay. like I have to pay like five hundred dollars every six months. And then back then, two thousand and two thousand and five. I spent almost $5,000 in order Whoa. for me to come to United States. And f we transferred through Denver. When I said, like, wow, Denver, that's nice. That's a big city. There's a Rocky Mountains. Yeah. I like that. By the time we hit Rapid City, man, <laughs> 25 of us, we were frustrated. Like, this is empty space. <laughs> it didn't look like uh, the didn't MacGyver, look like the MacGyver <laughs> or the A-Team or the Miami Vice. <laughs> I just remember that. And like, oh, my God, this is not what we expected. 25 of us, we are frustrated. And then we dying want to make money right away because the thing is, a lot of us, a lot of our parents, we sell uh, petty rice. We sold um, the house, the land in order for their kids to come to the United States. Wow. So we are willing and eager to make money right away. Unfortunately, because uh, 12 years ago, like blizzard started in October in Rapid City. So the room occupancy is only 0.01%. So we have 101 room. It's only one room occupied. And this 25 people, we eager. I want to work. I want to work. I want to work. So I remember one day I clocked in, in old school clocked in with the you know, like piece of paper, you, yeah, you yeah. dip in. Punch card. Yeah, punch card. And they're like, Andre, you have to go home. What are you talking about go home? We only have one room. There's nothing you can do. 
And I still remember we only got paid $2.30 an hour. What? In Rapid City 12 years ago. Working, that was the minimum wage? Working as a housekeeper. What the hell? That doesn't seem right. Do you know Rapid City is, I think, the second poor state in the country? Oh, wow. I don't know which one the first one, but I think we're the second one. And this is getting excited, actually. So, like, we, uh, we're, like, cruising. We're, like, we're like um, wandering around in the city trying to find a second job. And then... Uh, we see this place they call Olive Garden. <laughs> 12 years ago, 12 years ago, Olive Garden is like a Daniel Boulud or John George in New York City, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like fine dining. People For wearing Rapid a tie. City? Rapid wow. City. People wearing tie. They're celebrating some stuff. So I apply a job over there and um, I only know how to speak yes or no. My English is not just like now, anyhow, back then. My English is terrible because we used to work at the housekeeper. So you don't really interact with yeah. people. I speak Sundanese with my coworkers, so my English is not improved. So by the time I work in Olive Garden, they hire me as a busboy. It's okay, it's fine, you know? So I work in the morning as a housekeeper till two o'clock or three o'clock. And I work as a busser, started from four or five as a closer shift. This couple experience about this restaurant, I still remember, I like to share with you guys. Uh, one time, you know, I'm so young and naive. You know, like when you work in a restaurant, sometimes when one table, they have three people, they order a food. Sometimes one of the food is finished faster than one another. So they put in the window underneath the salamander, you know, to mm -hmm. keep it warm. So, <clears throat> and then the food, they serve on the table and then the guests uh, eating the, the spaghetti. And he said, how come my spaghetti is so crispy? <laughs> my spaghetti is crispy. And I said like, yes, you know, because it was putting in front of the window underneath the heater, man. <laughs> I'm just so stupid. <laughs> I'm just being honest, so it's right, not right. even stupid. And then my GM called me at the end of the shift. Andre, you cannot say like that. And I was like, I feel bad. And then my culture, when people yelling at you, we take it so seriously. Really? And I'm really like, you know, I feel really, really, I like kind of punishing myself really bad because of that. I almost cried back then because I didn't know. And then a lot of people, um, um, before that, I like also to share the, 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 the story that as a buster, you earn tips from a server. And then I was working super closing. That means I'm, I'm the last person to clean the table. So I talked to my guy like, hey, to my last, my closing server, you don't need to tip me. Just please, just give me a ride. Wow. Because like I'm walking and then it's snow, like blizzard every single night. And then, you know, it, it's so great. And I, I, I'm sometimes, I always feel touched and like get emotion when I, I told people a story like this. And my, my server like, Andre, I still gonna tip you, man. Don't worry. That's nice. I give you a ride, no matter what. So, you know, from that on, like all the closing server, they know that I need a ride. Yeah. And they're like, Andre, do you need a ride? Go take your time. Don't worry, man. I'll give you a ride. Okay, okay, okay. So they're really nice to me. And then, um, and then one time, finally, a lot of like, you know, like some people quitting, they offer me if I want to become a server. So I took this uh, train to be a server. And um, every single time people have a test, everybody, everybody get like 92, 98, 100. I only get 50, 45, because for me, 
every single question, I have to translate it in Bahasa. But you had to take a written test to be yeah. a server? Yeah. Wow. The training and then, you know, they're pretty intense about that. <laughs> okay. And I never heard the word sober before. I have no idea what is sober means. So like, what is sober? I don't know. <laughs> and my trainer and my GM, they are so kind and they they have they believe in me, which is I'm so blessed and thankful. They finally let me to be a server, actually. And normally, as a server, you have five or six table. I only have three in the corner. Okay. It's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. It is something, you know, at least to start. Um, and then I remember uh, one time, like, when I came a little late. So everybody, like, clapping, yelling in the kitchen, what's going on? And then uh, I just... Uh, sign in and clocked in and I take the table right away and my GM, Andre, let's go to the, the kitchen. I have a guest. No, let's go to the kitchen. What the hell? And I go to the kitchen, everybody clapping like, here we go. Here's Andre. Like, what's going on? Apparently, I got selected to be the first best employee of the month hey. at that <laughs> restaurant, man. I was like, wow. I guess, you know, I didn't expect it about that, but yeah. I am so touched, moving, inspired by, 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 by it. Because I think we never say no, you know, like we're willing to, we're willing to help each other, you know, like every server, when they have a table, have a birthday, like, Andre, Andre, can you sing? Sure. I'm singing with them. Andre, Andre, can you help this? Sure. You know, it's just like, I think I'm being sincere because, you know, when you come, you're still kind of like naive, sincere, whatever people right. want. You do it. But now, like, you start like, what what's in it on me? You know? Right. Like, I mean, at, at that point, you you kind of have to, right? Because right. you, you're trying to work your way up. So you can't really say no. True, true. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, like, my name's still in the plaque. Oh, yeah. And then these people, like, Indonesian people who come to Rapid City, they use me. No way. To like, hey, I'm actually Andre's friend. Can I get the job? <laughs> I don't even know that. But apparently, like, I keep the legacy in Rapid City, you know, it's just funny. But, you know, it's a, it's, it's a good story that I like to share with people. But, hey, I'm, I'm far away from saying in the other side, when I was working um, as a housekeeper, you know, working housekeeper is not a fun job, you know, right. because you're cleaning people stuff you know like people uh, um, it's, it's also just not to stigmatize any work but it, like it's not the dream that you had when you right, came here right yeah. so sometimes like I, you know like this is something that I'm not proud of you know like uh, sometimes I don't change the seat man just want to run away you mm -hmm. know sometimes I just like vacuuming really quick I think something that I like to, to share here like if you do something out of your passion normally it's always even better than like you feel forced sometimes you know right. and I remember Back then in Rapid City, um, we trying to find the same day off, and then we go to Walmart. We love Walmart so much <laughs> because you find everything. It's got over everything, there. yeah. Yeah, so and then um, we we decide, okay, who's going to carry rice? We have to walk. Okay, we have to walk like a mile and a half to go to Walmart. All right, you're a big guy. You get the whole bag of rice. Me, I'm gonna carry stuff in the middle of blizzard. We're walking. Sometimes people are like you're crazy, and I say I'm not crazy. I just I just poor. I don't have a car. Right. And finally, you know, I'm saving money a lot. And finally, I bought this car. I remember, to, I think 1990. No, I think 1998 Saturn SC, two door, small car. So I bought it. I remember it was like $2,000. I remember I finally buy my American car, man. Finally. So I drove to the restaurant. And then one of my server who closed the shift with me. Andre, do you need a ride? Uh, <laughs> I got my own now. 
now I'm good. No, <laughs> I'm still gonna tip you no matter what. Like, yeah, I know you're gonna tip me anyway, but I have my car. Really? Wow, <laughs> look at you. So everybody went to the parking lot just wanna see my car. I was like, That's shut awesome. up. I know your my car is not like your car, but it did a job. It helped me go to Walmart to get my stuff. Well, how how did you end up leaving Rapid City? So with the visa H2B, you have to move uh, every six months. And then normally my my employment agency, my staffing you agency. Move, like geographic location? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, okay. Sometimes people like work during winter time in, no, work summertime in South Dakota and work winter time in Nepal, Florida. Yeah. So... <clears throat> And then uh, I worked there for a year. And then second year, I moved to Callaway, somewhere in North Carolina by Western University. I work for uh, Huddle House. If you know Waffle House, yeah, yeah. Huddle House is kind of similar. Okay. Uh, somewhere in down south, like South Carolina, North Carolina is a big thing. Was there an Indonesian community there? There's no Indonesian community actually, but we got shipped over there because they need a employer okay. to work, employee to work over there. So we go over there, and then my third year I moved to um, North Carolina. Right after Hurricane Ike hit Texas, I think, because I remember we got delay in LA airport for like a week, and um, I don't have a job. I supposed to working in front of the house because that's my background, but they don't have anything available. So the only job they're available is breakfast cook. And you have to start working 2.30 in the morning. Oh my God. Wow. And I said, remember that was like Ramadan month, which is I have to fasting the yeah. whole month. So um, I met this people from the same agency, but they're from Turkish. So they like dedicated, I mean, they, they gave me his bicycle because his term is done and his bicycle, they don't have the pedal anymore. So it's only the, this, the aluminum stuff, you know, like the pedal one, you know, the plastic yeah, one, yeah, of course. if they're broken, it's only like one aluminum stuff like that. <laughs> and that's pretty um, sharp. So my shoes is kind of like slicing, you really? know? And then we have to be there at 3.30 in the morning while all my friends just come back from going to the club or whatever. And I just woke up like, Andy, where are you going? I'm going to work, man. <laughs> really? It's, it's sad, man. It's sad. So I start working as breakfast cook. I remember I start making a biscuit from the scratch. Flour, yeast, sugar, uh, milk, eggs, and everything. I have to make fruit salad, cutting the fruit. I have to prepare the egg. Because breakfast cook is actually the most complicated uh, meal session out throughout the day. Because like, let's say if you breakfast cook, I want to have over medium, I want to over heart, I want to scramble, I want an omelet. Now forget to mention it, I want to have egg white. Yeah. The egg white is take all the time, man. <laughs> and then like, if you miss a little bit from over easy, it's become over medium. If you cook too much, it's over hard. You have to start all over again. And I burn my hand. I, you know, I cut myself here and there. But I think something that I learned and I like to share with you guys, sometimes you never know how strong you are until you have to be strong. Yeah. And somehow back then, I don't know how to slice onions. I hold onions like this, man. Like I'm really slow with onions. Now I can chatting and talk with people, like staring around and like slicing onion. What did you think of the food there? 
oh, uh, food in uh, New Orleans is awesome. Like Creole food is, is wonderful. It's just like combination between Asian, Creole itself, French, and like Spanish heritage. So like if you like spicy food, you know, like not crazy spicy food, like, like Asian, like um, I remember I worked in this restaurant they call Mulat's. Um, by the Hilton uh, Riverside. They have really nice crawfish etuve. They have uh, blackened tilapia, jambalaya, gumbo. Um, they have like fried frog leg, yeah. like a uh, snake, something like that. But it's so good. I love it. I love the spiciness, you know, like it's kind of remind me my own cuisine. Yeah. Because they lose, use a lot of cayenne pepper. They use a lot of spices and herb. So the food, it's good. And how did you eventually end up in New York? So um, this is a funny story again. Like, so I live in New Orleans with one of my friends from Indonesia. His ex-girlfriend had a wedding in Albany. So his ex-girlfriend is Indonesian and she married an American guy. And the marriage was in Indonesian restaurant they call Yonos. So when my roommate went back to New Orleans, hey, Andre, listen, I went to my ex-girlfriend wedding and the owner of the restaurant actually Indonesia and actually he went to the same college with you. Oh really? And this is the business card. So I call him up and I call him I call him Pade. <clears throat> Pade is like uncle Indonesian Japanese tribe. And he said like, yeah, why did you come here? And I said, but my paperwork is kind of expired. Uh, what do you think? We'll work it out. So I moved to Albany around 2009, late 2009 and um you know, I met the lawyer. I paid quite a amount of money to basically trying to be legal and work and, you know, like pursuing my American dream. Um, so the lawyer trying to change my visa from H2B to J1. No, not to J1, to F1, to... No, B1 for a tourist. And then they're trying to change my visa to H1B, which is professional worker. Um, the thing is, I have to be at least a master degree, which is I'm not master degree. Oh, really? So, I mean, I guess I just gonna let it out, you know. Like, I pay a fake certificate from Indonesia right, that mentioned it. I'm yeah. like uh, MBA degree. Yeah. And um, it has to be people who work in managerial level, not just like. Uh, entry level as a server or like or like a captain supervisor you have to be like a restaurant manager or something like that somehow it doesn't work out it's sad and I remember I used to apply a Canadian visa because if you become a Canadian I heard Canadian a little easier than American as long as you you know you have some skill they will they will approve you as a Canadian citizen so that way I can legally come back to New York or to the United States to work. It's not working either. So at that time, I was like, you know what, God? You know, I talked to my mom. Like, my parents is one of the biggest reasons that I can be at this point. So I talked to my mom. Mom, just bless me, mom. You know, at this point, I just want to work super hard, save some money, and go back for good. And somehow, some way, our creator... Uh, planning something else. And I met this woman at the Yono restaurant. 
Um, she graduated from her college, and then you know, in the meantime, she needs to pay a student loan right away. Apparently, she owed eighty thousand, you know, for whole thing, so she needs to work. You know, one thing lead to another, and the rest is history. And now I'm to let him divorce now. But you were able through marriage to gain citizenship. True. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. been married with her for like five years. Oh wow. Yeah, quite some time. Okay. Um, it seems like also you relied a lot on like these networks of Indonesian people here in the States and then back home, at least for like information about jobs and visas and things like that. Like you said, oh, my friend from Indonesia was living with me. Like how I'm curious about people maybe who are in Indonesia right now and are thinking of coming to the United States. Like how, how are they getting involved in these like networks of people? So you're asking me like how if like people in Indonesia now they want to come to United States? Yeah, let's say there's someone in Jakarta right now and they're like, I'd like to go to the United States to work and they want to like get plugged into an Indonesian community. Right. Are there like message boards online? Like how right. do we do have in Facebook um they call a Pondok Gaul. Pondok is like a house, like small house. Gaul is like you know, like tr- like a trend, something like that, something that like and trendy so mostly they're telling us about like how to get the job or um if you want to buy some like if somebody want to selling some stuff they do that but they don't have really they used to have like website they call uh job in united states but in indonesian word you know but that website actually already went down so i think the only thing that i know back of my head is the pondokau it's like a facebook page but um i had a lot of people reach me through like social media it could be instagram it could be a facebook but the thing is the working visa program that i had before the h2b they already closing down for indonesian really so i think like five or six years ago wow so mostly h2b is for like really like third world country okay you know can you imagine chinese they probably like done a long 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 time ago yeah, it's yeah, too yeah. much of them you know so wow. they may be for like nepali maybe from like small country they still do that but for indonesia um unfortunately it's not happening anymore so there's a couple of things that you can do um, you can apply like a J1, like internship, or like in Indonesia we call PKN or Praktek Kerja Nyata. You know, you can apply that through um, their website. Let's say if you want to work for Holiday Inn or you want to work to Marriott. You know, if you go to the website and in the corner bottom side is always like career or something like that. So you can apply online. But the truth is. It's fifty-fifty. If they like your resume, mm. they will. They will. They'll contact you. If not, there's nothing going on happening. And like, also, we gotta think about it. It doesn't mean I don't like my people to come to United States. Also, for perspective, stand of the, the the employer. Why should I hire these people? Why I can hire people from local here in America. So it has to be like really special that you like specialize to make people realize like, okay, I want to hire you. Yeah. And that's why like when you ask me like, why in South Dakota? Because H2B is not happening in New York. It's too much labor here. Right. But in South Dakota, who want to work in South Dakota? Not that much. Right. That's why we end up somewhere in nowhere. And I was going to ask too, it seems like Elmhurst and Woodside it's probably the largest Indonesian population here in Queens in, in New York City. Um, are there other places in the United States that have large Indonesian communities that you're aware of? 
Yes, we do have actually the most or the largest Indonesian population in the country is in LA. Okay. In Los Angeles, like there's in Anaheim, there's in uh, Monterey Park, or uh, I forgot the name I'm back on my hand. There is, and then New York is actually the second largest. And then we have Philadelphia. We have what we call tri-state, like Philadelphia, Jersey, Connecticut. Um, but LA is the biggest one. The reason that I'm trying to find out before, because the weather-wise. Mm. Like I told you, Indonesia is tropical country. Yeah, of There's course. no snow. Right. So for older people, as you can tell in New York, if you take public transportation, can you can you imagine older people go down in subway and then have to struggle with morning or you know office commute? It's tough for them. So mostly like older people, they end up somewhere in in, in the East Coast because the weather. Yeah. Yeah, that's the population wise. And then. I've been seeing lately that you've had a lot going on with the consulate here in in New York. It it appears to me at least that they do a lot of like cultural events for Indonesians. They I think host Indonesian weddings. Is that true? Right, right. So it's funny that I used to I used to wanna like flying flying under the radar mm. of Indonesian community. Why? <sighs> Because like I think I mentioned it before, and I know you, what, you, what you're trying to initiate here. Um, it's just a culture why sometimes we one of those countries who like get jealous easily. Oh yes, right. We were saying that. Yeah, and then like, um, and then we honestly, Indonesian is one of the nosy country as far like you know want to know about people's business like how come he could do that how who is she who is he you know they 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 questioning a lot while like that's one of one of the thing that i like about this country do whatever you want mm. as long as you doesn't bothering anyone you can do anything but in indonesia sometimes people still like have not that much right now i think they're getting getting better like a lot of people like close close closer minded okay and then if you don't have that much education background that's that's what it is you know like people in if they you know they're pretty education enough they don't do that they judging easily you know i to be honest sometimes i had that feeling too because you know we grew up that way sometimes yeah um but now that something changed i took this uh, like self improvement and leadership class which is transformed me a lot that i realized it's not about me anymore it's about others and i think in my religion also taught us if you care about people uh, the more door open up you know and sometimes i say i quote it here from google or pinterest you know you rise by lifting others mm -hmm. or something like that and i'm not saying it just because i want to get attention actually i really feel in it a lot and one the biggest thing also because when i was struggling with my paperwork mostly i work with american company like mostly like french owner you know in restaurant business but now that i get my paperwork everything all set actually i'm running travel business with almost 99% of my client is Indonesian. Wow. You see you see the point? Yeah, like, yeah. When I was like, trouble, I work with American. But now I have the ability to work with anyone, 
mostly my clients Indonesian, which is actually more, it's a little harder to please. That's what it is. So, and then now just because I'm helping Indonesian community, like, or my travel business, mostly my client is people to coming to New York for um, government purposes. Uh, they could be like businessmen, they could be a public figure, they could be like minister, they could be just for leisure. And that's when I'm start have a, you know, uh, creating a relationship with consulate general. And oh, yeah, that's why. And again, sometimes when they're coming to United States, when everything is about work, um, matter of work, the consulate will taking care of their, their accommodation. Okay. But when they want to do their own time, pleasure on their own time, they don't have human power to do that. So I was like the subcontractor, you know, the third party who helped them to taking care of them. Oh, okay. That's how I know them. And just because of this self-improvement course that I took, um, I'm starting like, you know, uh, it's actually started last year on my birthday this day the social media if you like two weeks before your birthday facebook actually offer you if you want to make your birthday um, fundraiser or something like that mm -hmm. so my birthday is november 22nd normally either like two days or a days a day before uh thanksgiving so I make this, uh, we call Friendsgiving uh, fundraiser. So instead of my friend, they throw me money for wine or everything. Why don't you throw that money to donation? I add, and I will donate it to uh, last year for Syrian refugee to settle down in the United States. Oh, wow. So I was connecting this fundraiser to organization, a nonprofit organization they call Igna Relief. And after we done, I just want to go to their office because basically we donate money, but I never really, I never really hold the money itself because I threw wire everything, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's I go to the job. office. I want to see like, Hey, did you really receive my donation? Yes. I received the donation. Cool. And then I asked them about the program and everything. And I said, listen, um, I'm interesting to help out. You know, I don't think I'm strong enough as far the, financial wise to do it but i have effort here if you if you need some help so i'm start helping them to do like food distribution in, in the borough apparently so i did this in flushing i did this in brooklyn i did this in bronx even lately when one of the big house got burned down in belmont park in bronx we did help them to giving away like a uh, like winter jacket and hot meal right in time when New York got hit by bomb cyclone, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. on Thursday. So we were there to giving us away some stuff. Yeah, the other just the other day you were doing that. Right. Yeah. And then that thing like kinda inspired me, such a big impact. Like, how come I never done it to my own, own, own community? So, you know, we finally me and my friend we created that. Uh we gather uh, approaching Indonesian restaurant owner in Elmhurst and also in New York. We have five Indonesian restaurants and also more than six Indonesian food vendors to, to donate some food. So we're able to gather more than 400 portion of food and then like about 150 cup of Indonesian chicken soup. That's amazing. And then uh, 50 winter jacket and run 40 uh, blanket. And I was so amazed like how 
deep down, every single human, they have some humanitarian side. That's what I'm trying to say. So basically, I'm just channeling their inner energy into this event. Like, I'm amazed people showed up at 10 o'clock and then mostly restaurant gave me like a whole container. So I said, okay, ladies, listen, ladies and gentlemen, so this is the big container. Can you portioning, put a little bit here, put some chicken, put some crispy, put some whatever, put in plastic. They done it less than half an hour. This is amazing. And you were just on uh, News 12 here in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I was yeah. in New York 1. New York 1 too. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, yo, this is not me, man. You know, like, <laughs> That's cool though. I was like, I think I have a problem about like taking a compliment, you know, mm. and, and then my, my friend, my ex-girlfriend told me like, why don't you just take it? Say thank you. Yeah. I know, I know. I say like, it wasn't me, it was my twin, you know. <laughs> I was always do that all the time. I guess that's like a, like an icing, sugar icing on top of my cake. It's not really important. For me, like, if I can inspire people to do that and like I can channeling their energy about humanity, I think that's more than, more than enough for me. I feel like that's the biggest thing that I can achieve, you know. No, and that's a beautiful thing, man. I think it's really great too that you're doing it like right here in Elmhurst for the right. like exactly like you were talking about for your community for people that might be in need. Um, is that going to become a regular thing? That's actually going to be a regular thing because um, my plan. This is going to be like a kickoff. We have a project coming up we call Indonesian Restaurant Week, the first annually Indonesian Restaurant Week because I don't think we do have Indonesian Restaurant Week in New York City. So we're going to gather again with the restaurant, trying to come up with the idea or a strategy. It could be like food tasting or just something special that the chef they want to serve for like a couple of weeks. It's good for um, advertising for our culinary. And I'm trying to reach out to... Um, Indonesia Minister of Tourism and also we would like to do like a job fair you know you walking around in Amherst asking their um, if they're hiring someone and then we gather information and then we create Indonesian I mean, like not Indonesian like job fair in Elmhurst something like that yeah, yeah. so I think I'm excited like now I'm more trained to do this humanity work. It's just like, and and I said, like, I am a possibility of love, passion, and humanity. And that's why when you're asking about, when you remind me about the wedding, the, the lady who actually uh, had the uh, wedding yesterday, she donated me $50 for, mm. my, for my cost for the event. So it's more like, I give up my three work days to, to be there to doing rehearsal and everything. But I'm not I'm not saying it as like just because not trying to make her feel bad, but I'm doing this because I feel I'm part of community. Yeah. And then she needs some help. And she's actually same tribe with me. And she don't have any brother or sister. It's like, yeah, I'll do it for you. And the day before we have organization they call Jim Loose Foundation. And Jim Lewis Foundation also, he's doing a lot of orphanage all around the world. And um, he's going to send people to Indonesia for orphanage. It's just like, this thing also inspired me to yeah. do like humanitarian work. And I, I feel like, wow, this could be my passion. This I was just going to say, so, I mean, very practically, like you are becoming a community organizer here. Like this is almost... <laughs> You're, no, no, but that's what you're doing. Like this is almost like moving into like the political sphere. Like what? 
Where do you go from here? Do you have aspirations of a higher order? Nah, I don't think political. No? I c- honestly, I could be politic though. But I That's don't, what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't see my... I mean, as right now, a lot of people are like, yo, you could be like, you know, but I love to be humanitarian. Okay. I think that's more more fulfillment and more blessed for my heart, you know? Yeah. Like politics, man, today I'm your friend. Tomorrow, if right, you're not right. with me, you're my enemy. Right, it gets pretty icky. Yeah, I don't really want to be in that kind of field, man. So like... Well, maybe, maybe it's that you start your own organization or foundation or... That is actually pop up when I was talking with someone like, yeah, maybe you can file 501c yourself so you can have like non-profit organization um, running for your thing. And I said, yeah, that might be a good idea because you're right. Because now, I mean, everywhere you go, politics is always there. Like I, I was trying super carefully and hard to like, Maybe A don't like B, B don't like C, you know, but I have to be friend with all mm-hmm. of them. Exactly. So I have to like, I have to be like, place all of them because now if you want to get donation, you have to like, nice to everyone. Yeah. And then sometimes- community leader, man. That's <laughs> what you're becoming, really. And that's, I mean, that's honestly, that's like, I've been following you now for a little bit and that's, that's why I wanted to do this today. I think it's inspiring and I think it's really cool. Um Again, Bule, but I, I'm really interested in Indonesian culture. I, I loved going there last summer. I'm going to be going again this year. Right. Um, I have friends there, and um, you know, it's again, it's a community that I haven't seen as much exposure about in New York City as some others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's I don't know. It's really cool to see you doing what you're doing. Hey, the <laughs> thing is, sometimes like I, when when I was talking with my ex girlfriend, like, babe, you're a good leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm selling myself short, man. It is what it is, you know. But like with this leadership class, she said like, there's, there's no such thing leading from behind. Mm-hmm. You have to be a leader in the front and say, I guess I'm going to own it. I guess I'm going to own it. Yeah, you know, because like, yeah, you, you, you mentioned it, you know, again. And I keep hearing that all the time. Yeah, man, you're the leader. You're the leader. Sure, maybe I'm not ready with the responsibility yet or I just pretending I'm not ready because I'm a leader for myself anyway. Mm. And I, even in my friendship, you know, like with among all my friends, I'm the one who always creating some stuff. I'm the one who driving the car, bringing them, dragging them. Right, let's do this. Let's go skydiving. Let's go ski or let's go here and here and here. So sometimes I feel like I'm getting tired to be a leader. Sometimes I would just want to enjoy. Sometimes I would like to like, hey, Andre, can you come to my event? I would love to be that person instead like, hey, hey, you, you come yeah. to my event. So that's why maybe like it make me kind of like, I don't want to be a leader because I'm tired to be the leading all the time. But it keeps calling, you know? You know what's interesting to me? I've been now to two restaurants with you. And for both places, you know the owners. Today, we were going to record this in the basement. Uh, Where did we just eat? Uh, We were were in Asian Taste 86. Yes. And we were going to record in the basement. It was a little loud, so we came back to your place. But we come out of the basement... And you know the patrons, like you know the people that are eating there too. Yeah, um, it, it seems almost like, again, like that community feel where like everybody knows each other. True, true, true. And then especially like it's funny with the New York one uh, coverage last Saturday, 
like I have people from Facebook, uh, Instagram, and I met people like, yo, I saw you in, in the news. And I said, uh, because no one really want to talk and they're not confident with their English. So they just throw me under the bus. So here I am. She's like, yeah, 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 you want it. No, I don't want it, you know, but no one want to talk. So I end up become uh, people who get interviewed. But yeah, I guess, I guess like, you know, like I'm trying to be... I think sincere and authentic and being kind to people because mm. even even the lady that I helped yesterday for the wedding, like, listen, I'm helping you. I never, I always try to help people all the way. I don't really like to do a half asses work. And this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. Like, if you help people, just being sincere, just not just because you expect something in return, because it's something with me happening sometime. Like, all of a sudden, I got my flat tire. In the middle of, in the middle of uh, highway or somewhere, and it just happening like that. People just stop. Do you need a help? Not even I'm like asking for waving my hand or something. Right. So I do believe that when you do something like a good deed, somewhere around the universe see that, and then it goes around. And and uh, something that I like to share also like. I really take my parents' blessing is really, really important for me. Um, it happening a lot, like when I broke up my with my seven years uh, old, uh, seven years relationship with my ex-girlfriend. She was in German. I was in North Carolina before. And I said, mom, I'm so sad. I was crying. I was crying, baby. Like, mom, <laughs> she picking someone else in Facebook. I said, the picture. And mama, stop crying. Why don't you just find uh, American? Why don't you just find Bule? <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Even I'm divorced right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, sometimes my mom, like, my mom is super soft. Like, sometimes so cute. Like, uh, Ade, Ade is like, you know, for, for Japanese, like the youngest son. Ade, I'd like to ask you something, but I don't want to hurt your feeling. What's mom? And mom like, um, you know, your brother not doing really well. And then we need to do this and this. Okay, say no more. What do you need? Right. Yeah, if you can share like a couple hundred dollars, da, 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 you know. Mom, it's okay. If you need something, let me know. If I can help you, I'll help you. If not, I'm trying to find a way to help you. So I send a little extra, you know, like sometimes I send more, like a grand or something. Why do you believe like in my religion and I believe like when you, your parents is your everything. When you help your parents, it goes away right away. And it's happening with me. And when I send the money, the next day I got a phone call from California, my partner, Andre, I need you to pack your suit. I'm going to send you to Canada. You're going to bring some Indonesian consulate people to, uh, to go to Ottawa. And like, wow, it's really like, Eye to eye. I think that's what Americans say. You know, you help someone and you get right away. So I'm taking care of my mom. I'm taking my pop, my, my, my dad. It's coming right away. So it's just like parents and then helping people. Um, it's just trying to, you know, you know, put, put the good deeds, man. That's what right. it is. Yeah. Well, listen, I know we got to wrap up soon because we are going to the consulate. Before we wrap up, I did just want to talk about Indo Java for a second because mm-hmm. that's where we met. I think it's a really special place. I think it's kind of like a little hidden gem. Right. Uh, it's an Indonesian grocery, kind of unassuming. Like you, you, you wouldn't really notice it. I don't think if you unless you knew where to look. Um, and. I don't know, maybe you could shed light on how recently she's been doing this, but right. on Tuesdays and now Tuesdays and Thursdays, 
they open up to one, two tables and they serve food like a restaurant. It's a tiny little kitchen, mm-hmm. tiny little space, but like really amazing food and just really cool. Uh, she's so sweet and the other women that work there are so nice. Uh, my friend Kevin and I, we met you. Right, and right. It, to me, it felt like traveling. Like it felt <laughs> like I was back in Indonesia, like just sitting street side and talking to the person next to me. Like That's it really awesome. replicated that. I'm glad that you have that experience. So Dewi and Indo Java. So I know Dewi started when Dewi used to have the restaurant called Java Village. It's a couple blocks away, actually, okay. close to the subway entrance in uh, uh, Justice Avenue, I believe. And then the restaurant got have to shut down because the rent guns go up super high. And um, that restaurant is like our meeting point. It's like my second kitchen. I know someone who who get married and have a kid just because they two both a patronage of that restaurant. Really? Yes. And then I know people get That's a job. Awesome. It's like a community. And then you know yeah, sometimes yeah. when when I go to the city, like, hey, I left my jacket. Okay, can you left it in Java Village? I'll get tomorrow. Or like you smuggle something through Java Village, you know. Hey, can I have like Indonesian cigarette? You just bring it from India? Sure. Just leave it in Java Village. Okay, I'm getting Java Village. So it's just like our own community over there. Yeah. So it's such a big devastation for us as Indonesian and Amherst when that restaurant closed because Dewi itself such a nice, wonderful figure. As she's like, she's like from Java, from Surabaya. She's like our mom, you know. And then she treat everybody equal and you know she, she treated me quite special actually and I remember once I'm like Andre I have to go but I have the health inspection coming can you stay over in my restaurant for like uh, like half day yeah of course I can do that um, and then when the restaurant closed apparently she started just like pop-up store in Indo Java which is actually only groceries yeah because we need this groceries everybody like dreaming about getting tempeh where they where they gotta get it go to uh, Indo Java or they need some herb spicy or some like a sase or bumbu or you know something like paste uh, recipe that already like in the sase they go over there or anything they want or like indomie the noodles right which like the only other place I've seen is like going on Amazon and buying in right buying right there. right and over there you can pick different flavor in one pack yeah she's got everything instead you buy only one flavor mm. and then when we hear about she's opened up the pop up every Tuesday it's such a big yes we love her mm-hmm. so I guess. It comes from her figure first and then her food. Somebody might be cooked better than Dewi, but we love her so much. And fortunately, the food also is awesome. So it's a fortunate for her. So we go over there every Tuesday and they open from two to six. And it's just such a little nice gathering. I met my friend from my badminton community. Do you go um, every week? Every week. Wow. Yeah, every week. And then uh, I met some new friends. And then the way she cook is actually always changing every single week. Mm-hmm. So it's refreshing. And then we're exciting about it. Oh, what's next? What's next? When are you going to make this? So we're exciting about it. And also, Dewi really conscious actually donate her food for my uh, community cause event last Saturday. So it's all about community. So when yeah. I see... Her video somewhere in social media went viral. And it blew I, up. It blew up like 600, <laughs> 680K, 686K, something like that. Yeah. And I said, 
Wow, Chidewi, Chi is like uh, in in Japanese and Ch- Chinese Japanese for sister. You will become famous. Even my friend in Indonesia, she sent me the link. Hey, do you know this lady? Of course. That's how I fa- so Chitra, who has been on this podcast, sent sent me the video. I think yeah. it's on CNN also. Yeah. But she sent me the video and she's like, oh, uh, calls me Sayang. But <laughs> Sayang, you have to go. You have to go see this, and that's when I went. And that's right, when right, I met right. you. Yeah, and yeah. so like to see that, I guess see that's another another um, living proof. When you're such a good person, a good thing will happen no yeah. matter what. You know, when I see the restaurant close down, like oh my god, it's uh, actually she's more happier now. Yeah, when she used to. If you think about it, before when she used to work, she's so tired all the time, dragging her feet all the time. I can see that, but now she's more fresh, cheerful. She only work like once a week, and also she have another things going on on the side, but she still have a chance to sharing her culinary experience with people. So that's great. And one of the other things I love too is just like, you know, uh, how do I say this without sounding like super cheesy? I try to like, when I'm traveling and experiencing things, I try to like do it consciously in the fact that like, I know I'm a white American male and that, (laughs) you know, in terms of like uh, power throughout the world and economic opportunity and things like this, uh, I represent, I'm sort of like the the image of that, right? Like I'm a blonde haired, blue eyed, white American male and I don't want to patronize anybody's culture and I don't want to make them feel like a spectacle, mm-hmm. but I really am very, very interested. Like I'm so curious and I love to learn about people and cultures. Right. And I, I experienced this in Indonesia and then like I experienced it again with her is she's so willing to share that mm-hmm. and to teach me. Right. Even when I'm saying stupid things and like, <laughs> I think she, you know, like it's like, I, I don't mean to, I'm, I'm so curious. I, I'd love to learn about you. Like I'd love to have her on here too. Um, and like I, I get that vibe from you too. So it, it's really cool when people are willing to share their culture and help and allow you to experience it. Um, and and that's what I loved about that place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. But like, I mean, if you're really interested too, like when we're gonna go to consulate general. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up. Soon. It's gonna kind of shame a little bit also on me. Like they do have traditional music instrument they call gamelan, mm-hmm. like Japanese gamelan. And they do practice it every week, I believe. I mean, I can introduce you if you're interested to that. And mostly the player is bule. Really? Yeah. Wow. Even like they have seen them, like they're singing Japanese traditional music, like so smooth and so loud. Um, most They have like many bule singing that song right really? now. And then even in... In Baltimore, they have the organization they call NSR. They start creating this music, Bule singing dangdut. How about that? Bule singing dangdut, man. How do you feel about that? I mean, the other part, I'm so proud about it because like they're singing my my traditional uh, music culture. But the other part, like, shame on you. How come this bully playing better than you? Um, so, yeah, that's definitely like something like, wow. And I think this is something about, I don't know, I would say like you guys, you know. When you're into something and you have a passion about it, you're doing even better than us. Really? Let's see. Like yoga, how many, <laughs> how many like oh, people love in yoga? Actually. They do, they do everything even more than like maybe like Indian yoga teacher or something like oh, that. That's interesting. Like 
I can show you the Facebook. This lady, she's in in Indonesia right now. She's singing as a sindan, and she's singing even better than Indonesian. Really? And gamelan. How many like gamelan player? She's Indonesian. They're Indonesian, and they're playing like more passionate, you know, than us. So that's that's like I mean, like white people, American, you guys. Like when you see someone culture and you like it, you dig it so hard, man. While us, we just like yeah, we're just playing. We're trying to just keep this legacy around. While you guys like you embrace it. Yeah, like, I, I I I would feel weird agreeing with that. I don't know. It's <laughs> like <laughs> maybe you haven't seen it that something that you really like, and then you willing to just go deeper and learn about it. Maybe you haven't seen it yet, you know? Because if you think about it, is it America has so much culture? Not much. Right. Our American culture is from whatever immigrant brought it right, to exactly. this country. Yeah. So less culture over here. It is freedom-wise, but less culture. That's why the closer one for us here, maybe like Latin America, because that's the closer one. And then, you know, they brought the culture to this country and become one of their culture, something like that. This was great, man. <laughs> <laughs> this was awesome. We should definitely do this again sometime. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, we're going to go to the consulate. Before we wrap up, first of all, thank you. It's been my pleasure, man. Yeah. Thank you for uh, thinking of mine me. Mine as well. Um, is there anything that you want to plug and promote, like your social media or... Um, like, I guess, is that where people would find out about the next um, food donation and any fundraising you're doing? Yes. I mean, this day, honestly, I live in social media. Like, this yeah. is how I interact with people, how I get donation, how I thank them. So um, I'm big in Instagram. I mean, I'm really into Instagram. So you can find me at andre.nyc, which is A N D R I. NYC. And I'll also, just so you know, sorry to interrupt you, I'll put that in the show notes so people could also find it and just right. click the link. And also, like, I have my, I'm not celebrity, but I have my personal website myself. So, which oh, is www.andri.nyc. Awesome. So it's easy. So, my Instagram is my website. Uh, my Facebook is a little different because it's A N D R I and my last name. S-U-P-R-A-Y-I-T-N-O. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm in those social media type thingy. I mean, you guys more than welcome if you want to reach out asking about something or uh, ask me to collaborate to help uh, community or something. You know, I'm always there because I keep saying I'm belong for community, man. You know, uh, I'm a possibility of love, fearless, compassion, and community. Beautiful. All right. Thank you, brother. You're very welcome. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, take care of each other. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.